Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride. I'm your host, Jeff Hartman, on this Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast. I thank you for making me a part of your day, whether you're listening in the morning, afternoon, night, Tuesday. I don't care what day of the week. I don't care what time it is. I thank you for listening. For everyone that is a loyal listener to all of my shows, you're a part of the Ride or Die crew. I thank you all very much. Hope you had a great weekend. I did. We got a dog. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but this was not planned but we what we got we went and rescued a dog. It's a great dog. The dog's name is Bo, and it's a great dog. If the family's happy, and if they're happy, I'm happy, and I'm excited to be here with you. I'm happy to do this show. I love doing this show. And today I have a topic that I want to discuss that is going to be it's going to be difficult to talk about based on a lot of different factors. It's how the Steelers are going to win in 2022. Not so much how many games will they win, but if they're going to win games, what is it going to look like? That's the topic at hand. Before we get to that, I want to make sure everyone remembers that wherever you get your podcasts, all you have to do is search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. You can subscribe, follow, do whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. That's all of our shows, not just the morning lineup, but also our noon lineup and our PM content. And BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, we are connected. We are one of the same. Make sure that is your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's get to some news before we get to the topic, and that is that Sunday was the end of rookie minicamp for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Mike Tomlin and his crew finished up their rookie minicamp. 2022 minicamp for the rookies is in the books. And, uh, you know, this is something that I feel like it actually worked out well. Uh, And when I say it worked out well, I'm going to allude to the Pittsburgh Penguins being uh, forced into a Game 7 on Sunday. And it's one of those things where all the media was there on Day 1 of Rookie Minicamp. Everyone got video of Kenny Pickett. And then every single day after, there was less and less coverage. That's fine. That is fine. Uh, To me, the Steeler faithful is going to – they're going to get their fix no matter what. But for the main majority of the Pittsburgh media, they were then, you know, at Penguins practice. Is Sidney Crosby going to play? Is Tristan Jari going to make his return? I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about how that impacted Rookie Minicamp, meaning Rookie Minicamp didn't get as much coverage. So these players got to work. They got after it. The coaching staff was able to really hit them with the playbook, see how they absorb the playbook, how they absorb instruction, what they do well, what they don't do well. I think it was a good weekend. I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything that would make me think that people are going to overreact. That was something I warned everyone about on Friday. I did not hear of any injuries, nothing at least of the serious nature. So that was a good thing. They didn't have any injuries. Kenny Pickett, everything you heard from camp, people that were at camp said he looked cool, calm, confident, delivering the ball. I love what Calvin Austin the third said about Kenny Pickett. He said, that boy can throw the ball. That's what I want to hear. I know it's his teammate. I know it's his fellow rookie, but that's what I want to hear. And, you know, George Pickens, he gave a cool interview. He's definitely someone that's going to endear himself, I'm sure, to the Pittsburgh Steelers faithful. But not only did rookie minicamp finally wrap up, but at the time of this being recorded, several rookies have signed their rookie contracts. It's all a formality now. I I can still remember it was Sam Bradford, I believe, was the last quarterback that held out of camp got a huge mega deal, then the new CBA was signed, not the current CBA, this was the one prior to that, and that when that CBA got signed, everything basically just was, it's a formality. You sign the deal, you're going to make this much money if you were drafted in the first round. The only thing that players are going to squabble about with their agents are signing bonuses 
and guaranteed money, which almost everyone's contracts in their rookie deal is fully guaranteed. But four out of the seven Pittsburgh Steelers draft picks are under contract. The only players not to have signed their rookie deals prior to this being recorded are Kenny Pickett, first-round pick, DeMarvin Leal, third-round pick, and Calvin Austin III, fourth-round pick. Everyone else has signed. So four out of seven, they're all locked up. So if you're someone that's always kind of like, man, I just want these rookies to sign their deal, it's not as big of a deal as it used to be, but still, they are on their way. Okay, let's talk about this. How are the Steelers going to win in 2022? When I say that, I basically am basically saying, what is it going to look like? We all knew that... With the Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback, there's a million ways the Steelers could win football games. If the defense doesn't play well, there's a chance that they are going to outscore the opponent and they're still going to find a way to get the W. Ben Roethlisberger's not there anymore. And this guy, that guy, I should say, that guy has singularly bailed out the Steelers on so many occasions. That is, It's okay for a fan base to basically have some pause when they think about what it's going to be without Roethlisberger at the helm. You you think back to last season, the game-winning drives, fourth-quarter comebacks. Those are things that Roethlisberger did well as a seasoned veteran quarterback. So whoever is at quarterback right now, which, by the way, boy, did I write an article that ruffled some feathers on Sunday, my letter to the editor, if you missed that one. It was all about how I feel that it should be a two-person race, two-quarterback race, not a three-quarterback race. Uh, go check that out. I might do an entire podcast on that topic because a lot of people were kind of fired up about it. So I, I'm going to digest it. I'll pro- maybe on Wednesday I'll talk about that, how I would approach the quarterback competition coming up uh, if I'm Mike Tomlin. But still, what is a win going to look like for the Steelers in 2022? I broke it down, offense and defense, three categories for each. That's what I'm that's the focus here. What is it going to look like? So I want to start on the defensive side of the ball first. And on when I was writing these things down, as I was thinking about it and I was writing down my show notes, as I'm writing it, I'm literally thinking to myself, wow, this is asking a lot. And you'll understand what I'm talking about. So first and foremost, on the defense, the first key, these are not in any specific order. The first key is Make teams one-dimensional. Now, I, you could possibly say that the Steelers did that last season because they were so bad against the run, no one did anything else. They need to learn, not learn, they need to stop the run. And they were 32nd in the NFL last season. This is where I look at this and I write this down and say, that's a big ask. That is a really big ask to say that a team that was dead last in run defense could somehow improve to be maybe a top 10 unit in that area and then really stop the run to the point where you can say, you're not going to run on us. If you're going to beat us, you're going to have to do it through the air. That's a tall task for any team that is coming off a 32nd ranking in rush defense. You can talk all you want about Stefan Tuitt's return. You can talk about Cam Hayward, Tyson Alualu coming back. What does Miles Jack do for that run defense? What about Devin Bush being healthy? There are so many question marks in this area. But if the Steelers are going to be successful on defense, we know this from last season as a prime example. They cannot be as bad and as porous as they were in run defense. They just can't do it. It's just not going to work. So the, the, the number one thing, 
or I should say the top thing on my list, is they have to stop the run and make teams one-dimensional. Now, the second, something that the Steelers were kind of hit or miss with last season. You go back two years ago, and they were one of the top teams in this category last season, not so much, and that's takeaways. Taking the football away. Now, Akella Witherspoon, he was a bright spot in this area. He really was, and the Steelers, and everyone says it, and I believe it 100%, takeaways are hit or miss. You will get them in bunches, and then you'll go weeks almost without having anything happen. So it's definitely a situation where the Steelers, they need to maximize their opportunities. I think that's the best way to put it. I say takeaways. That's the main key. But maximize your opportunities. In other words, if Levi Wallace, just using him as an example, if Levi Wallace is guarding a defender and he gets his hands on the football, not just knocking it out, knocking it down for a pass defense, but taking the ball away. Giving the offense an extra possession. That's what this team is going to need. And it's, it's really tough to say that that's a need, but I think if anyone's honest with themselves, you know that that is a need for this 2022 defense. They need to take the ball away. So let's start at the beginning. Make teams one-dimensional. Stop the run. Get takeaways. Maximize those opportunities. And lastly... Sack party. You got to continue to have the sack parties, whether it's TJ Watt, whether it's Cam Hayward, whether it's Tyson Alawalu, whether it's Alex Highsmith. I don't care who it is. The Steelers are going to have to continue to find a way to get to the opposition's quarterback. Something they did so well under Keith Butler. I mean, so well. A lot of people are wondering is Butler's absence, because Keith Butler used to do, he used to manage the front seven, and the pass rush. He was a genius at creating some of these situations where T.J. Watt, Stephon Tuitt when he was there, Cam Hayward would just be able to wreak havoc on the opposition. He was the one that would set those things up. Sure, you need the players to make the plays, but you need the coach to put them in position to succeed, and he did just that. So is the Terrell Austin, who's typically a secondary-style coach, combined with Brian Flores, going to be the equivalent of Keith Butler in terms of the front seven, we can all speculate. You know, Jeffrey Benedict says it. Kevin Smith says it. We've all said it on this podcast network that Brian Flores is essentially going to take over what Keith Butler did in the front seven. That sounds great. But is it going to be the same? Is it going to be good enough? I'm not sure. We haven't seen it, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's going to be this, it's going to be that, because no one knows. But they need to get to the quarterback. So those three things. I remember I said we're going to do three on offense, three on defense. The three on defense, make teams one-dimensional, stop the run. You got to take advantage of those takeaways when they present themselves. And then the sack party. You got to continue to sack the quarterback. So let's go to the other side of the football with the offense. This is going to be another one where you're writing down. I'm writing down these notes and I'm thinking, man, this is going to be interesting. And interesting is maybe a very nice word for it. So run game dominant. They need to be a team, an offense, a unit that can lean on the running game. This, uh, I think they were 29th overall last season in terms of running the football, whether it's yards per game or yards per carry. Not very good. And so you're, you have the running back in Najee Harris. You are supposed to have the coordinator in Matt Canada that can establish and develop a running game and Get everyone on the same page. You're supposed to have that in Matt Canada. Now you're supposed to have the offensive line. I think we all saw the weaknesses last season on the offensive line, whether it was an aging Trey Turner, whether it was not having a genuine center 
on the on the roster, whether it's a banged up Kevin Dotson. That's just the interior, folks. So what did the Steelers do in free agency? They said, we're going to go out and we're going to bolster this up. You know, bolster up the interior of the offensive line. They bring in Mason Cole. They bring in James Daniels. And you hope Kevin Dotson can stay healthy. They have a ton of options on the interior. So you also bring in Pat Meyer, new offensive line coach. We'll see if this works. But if the Steelers think that they're going to be able to have multiple ways of moving the ball, they will in terms of the passing game, but it's all going to hinge on the running game. It's all going to hinge on establishing the run, getting Najee Harris going, and I'm not expecting Najee Harris to break off 30-plus yard runs with a tremendous frequency. It would be great if he did. I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting over four yards per carry, something the Steelers did not do last season, but they have to get the run game going. And just like with the defense, when you say stop the run, when you look on the offensive side of the ball and you're saying you got to run the ball, neither unit did that well in 2021. So 2022, it's going to be a need. We'll see if they can get it done. Second, they need to have at least a big play threat. And I'm not talking about a player. I'm talking about the threat of a big play. That is something they didn't have in 2021. Sure, you could talk about Chase Claypool. You could talk about Deontay Johnson. But there was a reason why defenses were basically saying, we're going to put 10, sometimes it felt like 10 defenders in the box, and say, we dare you. I dare you to try to throw it over to our heads. And they couldn't do it. The Steelers couldn't do it. You can blame Ben Roethlisberger and his aging arm and his lack of mobility and his lower body. All this. I don't care. You can blame the offensive line. Everyone had a share in the blame. Blame Matt Canada. Yeah, him too. Everyone had a share in that blame in terms of the inability to really have a big play threat. Now, this season, you look at Calvin Austin the third, a new addition, blazing speed. He can be a deep threat. You talk about George Pickens, that addition, blazing, not blazing speed, but he's fast enough. Big receiver, can high point the football. He should be a good addition. And then you also think about Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth. How can they benefit from those new weapons? They have the weapons now, but they have to prove that they can still make the plays. And lastly, let's go over the first. got to run, get the run game going, run game dominant. Big play has to be a threat. And lastly, you just need to have what I call key area efficiency. This team needs to have the threat of the big play, but they're not going to be able to thrive on the big play. It's not going to be... Uh, uh, you know, a home run or a strikeout. That's not the way that the Steelers offense is going to thrive in 2022. They're going to have to grind out drives. So in third downs, in the red zone, winning those areas, those key areas, and being efficient in doing that is going to be absolutely ginormous for this Steelers offense this season. And so when you look at all these things, the offense, run game dominant, big play threats, key area efficiency, you look at the defense, you got to make a team one-dimensional, take away the ball when it it becomes available, and then have the sack party that you've had for the last five, six years. If they can do that, they're going to win games, but I don't want anyone to listen to this and think, well, that's going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. Fixing the running game is not easy, just like fixing the rush defense is not going to be easy. Turnovers come in bunches. You can never plan on those happenings. Happening. The big play. There's so many different factors that go into having a big play threat even. This offseason is going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'll get that out of the way. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch this. But also, I think when you look at what the Steelers have done, they've put themselves in a good position to remedy some of these issues. We'll see if they can get it together. But I hope you all understand that some of these things would have been the same if Roethlisberger was under center. Some of them definitely not. 
the offense especially. I mean, you, you just have to understand that with Roethlisberger, the running game was just kind of complimentary. It can't be complimentary with either Trubisky, Pickett, or Rudolph. It's got to be the key, the driving force for this offense moving forward. I'm going to have a guest coming on in the second half. Hunter Holmstead, who used to, used to write for Behind the Steel Curtain, then went to uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports. He covered the Steelers, covered Pitt for a time. I'm going to talk to him about the NFL draft, what he thinks about the schedule, as well as the same topic I just talked about, what the Steelers winning is going to look like in 2022. It's our Monday morning conversation, and we'll be right back with that. Stay tuned. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is Monday. It's the second half of the Let's Ride podcast. It is time for the Monday morning conversation. I bring in someone that actually used to write for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I mean, this was a long time ago, and he might have only done like a handful of articles, maybe one or two, and then he was off on his own, and he went to DK Pittsburgh Sports. He's off on his own again, but I bring in a good friend of mine who helped me out along the way. Hunter Homestead, what's going on, man? How are you? I was fantastic, man. I appreciate the intro. And as you alluded to, it's just nice to be in those silky tones of Jeff Hart again. It's nice to be talking to you, man. <laughs> yeah, it's great to always talk to you. I still remember you wrote that article for Behind the Steel Curtain, and it was all about uh, if it was about your family, wasn't it? It was, and it, it got a ton of views. And I, I remember you were like, "Dude, this is a, this is a crazy like it's taken off." It was all about like watching the Super Bowl together. Am I right? It was the um, Bengals playoff. Game insane uh that the insane angles playoff game where the Bengals got two fouls at the end to put us in field goal range and i'm pretty sure it was the game was that the wild card was that a, a yeah wild that was card a wild game? card yeah. game that was where antonio brown got knocked out with a concussion joey porter goes on the field and yep. adam pacman jones goes berserk gets a yep. first <laughs> that game was either on my actual birthday or on the weekend of my birth close to my birth so we had a bunch of friends family at the house to watch that article was just like the experience of being, you know, a hardcore Steelers fan family experiencing that game. I, I had a ton of fun with that article. Yeah, that was a fun article and it got a lot of reaction and stuff. So that was great. But so he, hey, he's, he, I've had other people on like Chris Carter. He used to write for Behind the Steel Curtain. So we're diving back into the old treasure chest, so to speak. But I want to ask you about this current Steelers team. Uh, let's start off with the 2022 NFL draft. All the people that I have on as guests, I just want to get your general vibe for what you thought the seven picks made during the draft, whether you want to, you know, from Pickett all the way down to Oladoku and the quarterback from South Dakota state, what were your general takeaways from this draft class? Overall, I definitely feel solidly a B, if not an A draft. The only thing, as you kind of alluded to the second quarterback pick for sure threw me off. I, I wasn't, I wasn't a huge any picket guy. Anybody who follows Twitter will know. I, and to be fair, I troll a bit with that too. I'm also not a Pitt fan to WVU. I do like ruffle some feathers sometimes. I think Kenny Pickett's going to be good, but I play it up a little. But I'm huge on taking a quarterback in the first round, let alone so in the seventh round. So that was the only bizarre pick to me. Everything else was amazing, and I, I honestly struck gold with those middle 
couple with uh, Dickens, Austin, Hill. That was a stretch that could change the future of the team for sure. Those three seem like light picks to me. It, Pickett, you bring up, you know, obviously you're a West Virginia guy. I grew up in West Virginia. I didn't go to WVU, but I, I grew up in West Virginia. I understand what the backyard brawl is all about. I understand the rivalry that is West Virginia and Pitt. But if you can take off your, you know, West Virginia glasses for a second and you're trolling on Twitter, which I think is great, <laughs> and you got to have the heel. If you're a wrestling fan, you got to have the heel. I get that. You think Kenny Pickett could turn into the guy, though, for the Steelers in the future? Oh, dude, he absolutely can. I, I honestly have no doubts that he can, but that's kind of the operative word there, can. You, there's no there's a slam dunk when it comes to a college quarterback coming in the NFL and continuing to perform at it in college. We've seen it so many times throughout history as who you think are lights out quarterback prospects that just don't pan out at the next level or vice versa. Guys that nobody was high on out of college and then they just pick it up NFL level of the perfect system, perfect team, and they learn. So I'm very excited for Kenny, though. One thing I'll say that I try to pick more come Steelers. Like if, if any team will draft him and properly done their homework, you know that these there's coaches were tight with the coaches and all the scouts. Like you have to definitely believe that any home that there was to be done was done with Kenny Pickett. And there were obviously other options there at number 20 to pick. So the fact that they went with Kenny, they evaluated Kenny probably way more thoroughly than any other team was able to. It gives me some confidence for sure. And, and when the Steelers, you know, make their first round draft pick a quarterback, historically it works out pretty well for them. So I like Kenny. I love his skill set. I genuinely, you know, like I said, I troll a little bit about him, but I think he is way more mobile and way more modern NFL ready than people give him uh, a lot of credit for. I like some of the tight windows that he found in college, a lot of the progressions he made. He shows the things that you really want to see a college quarterback, and I'll kind of contrast it to Mason Rudolph. You know, if you watch Mason Rudolph's college highlights and he put up amazing stats, you know, did, did great things in college, but he was mostly, you know, kind of lobbing bombs to wide open receivers down the field which is fine, but that's clearly like a college offense thing that doesn't tra translate well to the NFL. I think we saw more NFL-style offense and passes from Kenny Pickett, and a lot of people ding that he took forever to warm up in college. You know, It took him five years to really get good in college, but I think it's funny that people consider that a negative thing. I view that as a major positive. This was a guy that showed that he could grow and learn and develop, which is exactly what he's going to have to do at the NFL level, so – why would you think that he can't continue to do that? You know, it's a great point. And, you know, I, you would almost say the fact that he stayed a fifth year is beneficial because if he would have gone into the, the draft and say he got drafted and played and had one crappy year or was learning on the job, sometimes you never get another chance in the NFL. So you got to keep that in mind too. But if you were the GM slash the brain trust, the brass, whatever you want to call it, and you had to take a quarterback at the 20th pick, you have everyone available, which actually played out. Are you taking Kenny Pickett or were you liking someone else? I was probably taking Kenny Pickett, man. I really? got to say, okay. I, I wasn't sipping the Malik Willis Kool-Aid as much as everybody else. I he, he was intriguing. I'll say that. He is definitely that boomer bust pick for sure. I think Kenny is a little safer, you know, but I also think that Kenny's ceiling is right there with Malik's. I'm not, I'm not convinced that Kenny's ceiling isn't incredible. You know, the things that he showed in his last season at Pitt, we're super encouraging. Like I said, as much as I like to troll, you can't deny that 
he was absolutely balling out and sure he had arguably one of the best receivers in, in college football as well, if not the best receiver in college football as well on his team. And he had five years to get there and all that, but those throws didn't make themselves, you know, yeah. <laughs> he, he made some plays, man. And he showed a lot of stuff that I really liked. And Malik, obviously the level of competition wasn't there. Not the, he may not have the right size to play at the NFL level. Some of the thing he, again, kind of like the Mason Rudolph effect. Some of the things that Malik Willis was doing in college that look amazing on highlight reels are just not reasonable to do at the NFL level. He's not going to be able to do a lot of the same things, I don't think. So, honestly, if I was a betting man right now, I think in 10 years, Kenny Pickett is going to be the better quarterback than Malik Willis, regardless of if if Kenny Pickett can become Ben Roethlisberger, regardless of that. Even if Kenny is a completely average quarterback, I still think it's going to be better than Malik Willis. Well, heck, even if Kenny Pickett's still the Steelers quarterback in 10 years, I'll be ecstatic. That means they got something right. But let's exactly let me ask you outside of Pickett, which rookie in this draft class are you really, really excited about seeing play this year? Not about the potential. Like when I think about someone like a Connor Hayward, six round draft pick, versatile guy, Mike Tomlin calls him a Swiss Army knife. I love to see what they could do with him, but I'm not sure it's going to be this year. Which rookie do you think this year, not named Kenny Pickett, are you like, this guy could really make an impact right away? Oh, it's 100% both of the receivers. Pickens and Austin, both of them will have an, a, they'll have the ability to make an immediate impact, I think. Obviously, the team is very depleted at wide receiver after losing, you know, whatever, three-fifths of its wide receiver core uh, this offseason. So they're going to have opportunities, and that's that's a position that, Everybody knows the Steelers draft wide receivers extremely well, A, and B, in the modern NFL, it seems like every year rookie wide receivers become more impactful. And I would love to see some actual data on that, but this is this might just be, you know, the fantasy football guy in me talking. But, <laughs> but rookie wide receivers have been hitting lately like never before. You know, it seems like these wide receivers are just able to step into NFL offenses and just tear it up from the jump. And I think the fact that both of these guys are coming in together and, you know, I've seen a lot of training camp interviews and things like that. Pickens talking about how he and Austin are extremely good friends already. Like they're already forming that bond that I think is going to serve them well. And they'll be able to play off each other because they're two totally different kind of receivers as well. So then, then you throw in Claypool, you throw in Deontay Johnson. I think Pat Fryermuth is in for a huge year. You throw in all those weapons around them. And those two guys are going to have a huge, huge ability to make an impact because defenses aren't going to be able to just key in on them. They're going to have their opportunities. They're going to have their space. And I just love both of their skill sets. Super different receivers, but both of them, yeah. The, those are the two guys that I look at and I say, these are immediate impact players. There's a great segue into my next question for you. And it's something I talked about in the first half of this show. And it was all about if the Steelers win football games in 2022, both offensively and defensively, let's talk about offense first because you brought up those receivers. My question was, and, and what I kind of diagrammed myself in the first half was, what is it going to look like? Because when you think about the Ben Roethlisberger era, there were always those games where Ben was like, fine, I'll do it. And I'll sling it 45 times and we'll end up winning a game, I don't know, 38 to 35. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily going to look like that in 2022. So let's talk about the offense first. What do you think if the Steelers are successful in, in this upcoming regular season, what are they going to do on offense to win games and just put points on the board? They're going to be way more balanced, I think, than people expect. I know they relied on Najee a lot last year, and 
you look at his raw stats and I would say they were very good. You know, he did some really good things behind a lackluster offensive line to maybe put it politely. Um, he was maybe overused a little bit, didn't really have a backup that could spell him very well. Um, Najee is still going to be a huge part of this offense. I think he flashed a lot to grow on, but I also think, like we said, all these weapons at receiver and again, Fryermuth at tight end, I'm obviously very high on him as well. I think we're going to see a lot of balance from this Steelers offense, man. I don't see, I mean, if, if it's Mitch or if it's Kenny Pickett, whichever quarterback ends up taking the reins officially, they have options to work with. You know, there's almost no more excuses for that Steelers offense. If they can't come out firing, I look at the, I look at the squad they've assembled. And to me, that's, that's plenty of firepower to get it done, man. And with the defense on the other side, which I'm sure you also want to talk about a little bit, there's there's no excuses for the Steelers team. I know people aren't super high on them, but when I look across the board, man, I see an extremely well-balanced team. And I just think back, it was only a couple years ago that we were riding the Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges, Duck Hodges train and still winning football games like it's going to be better than that, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> you hope. You hope it's better than that. It, ha- it just has to be. Yeah. <laughs> well, let, let's go to the offense. You know, you talk about the running game being more balanced. Najee's stats are good, but when you look at the raw offensive stats, they weren't that great. You know, 3.9 yards per carry, which I think was 29th. I think they finished 29th overall rushing yards per game. Did they make enough improvements, in your opinion, on the offensive line to, like you called them, a lackluster, putting it nicely, mildly, we'll say, do you think they made enough improvements with Mason Cole coming in, James Daniels, uh, hoping to have Kevin Dotson healthy, options at center, whether it's Kendrick Green or not? Did they do enough in your opinion? Man, that is a fantastic question, and that is what the entire offense hinges on as well, the the improvements there. I I mean, given the options out there, I feel like they definitely did their due, due diligence and, and made some nice moves. I would have maybe liked to see a little more focus on the offensive line in the draft. But again, if you don't like the prospects available and that's up to Steelers brain trust, you know, you got to kind of trust their vision and what they scouted and what they saw. They maybe felt that that would have been a wasted pick and a reach. And traditionally, you know, they do pretty well drafting offensive linemen. So I'm, I'm inclined to believe them on that. And also the offensive line last year was extremely young. And I think people underestimate the effect of getting those NFL reps kind of assimilating in they were in a weird spot you know that the whole Steelers offense has kind of been in this ever since the the AB years ended and things and Ben's curtain was clearly closing the offense hasn't really found its groove since then so I think these the rookie offensive linemen the young offensive linemen we had last year were struggling you know that's a that's a hard transition make and not to mention the coaching staff was changing too. the offensive line coach was switching all around them, you know, now there's another another new offensive line coach. So they need some consistency. That's what they need more than anything. And they'll gel. Everybody always talks about how chemistry is the huge X factor with an offensive line. So once they can gel, once they can really settle in with an offense around them, which is what, you know, to me, it looks like those pieces are in place now. So I feel like they're kind of running out of excuses to be a little lackluster. So I do expect some improvements this year. And if they do, you know, that's going to be a huge thing. You know, you mentioned Najee Harris's 3.9 yards per carry, which is obviously not great, but I believe he also led the league in uh, forced missed tackles or. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
he well sometimes those missed tackles that he was forcing were just to get back to the line of scrimmage but you know you pick up a good point about the antonio brown era and stuff people often forget that you know as Le'Veon bell leaves and antonio brown's turns psychotic and and forces his way out and ben roethlisberger's windows closing the offensive line was slowly just changing as well. You know, uh, Ramon Foster retires. Marquise Pouncey retires. David DeCastro was supposed to be that guy on the line last year, and he has to he gets released and is yet to return. Alejandro Villanueva leaves. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow, that core group, which was considered one of the best offensive lines in football, is now completely gone. This year, you hope that there's a little bit more of a core nucleus there with Dan Moore Jr. returning. Chooks Okorafor gets that new three-year deal and those interior guys that we mentioned. So let's go to the defensive side, though. You talked about the defense. I mean, if there's a statistic I mean, that we got to address right away, if you're talking about how are the Steelers going to win on defense, can they improve from 32nd overall in stopping the run? That's where it starts. Mm-hmm. But what do you think? What's it going to look like? I think that that's when I look at the Steelers team as a whole, that is my hugest area of concern and why I wasn't huge on taking a quarterback in round one was that there is a glaring need at that interior defensive line, you know, getting Alawalu back is going to be good if he's fully healthy, if he's ready to go, but depth at that position is so crucial in the modern NFL and they just don't have it. And they still don't have it in my eyes on the roster as it's currently constructed. So Unless they know something we don't know, that is still a major area of concern. And sure, they they beefed up inside linebacker by getting Miles Jack as well. He's not necessarily known for his run stopping, though. He's not that thumper kind of middle linebacker that you think of when you think of run stopping. So I'm still a little nervous about that, man. Like you said, you can't get any worse than 32nd. That's the good news. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they've, they've bottomed out there. But that is a huge area of concern. Now, do they just think, We've got the offensive firepower now to win some firefights, maybe, but I don't love that, especially as a Steelers fan. You know, traditionally as a Steelers fan, defense first team, win with defense, win, go the whole way to the Super Bowl with defense. I don't like seeing that. I don't, I don't want to have to rely on either Trubisky or Pickett to score 30 points a game for us. And even though I think, you know, with that cast they've assembled, that might be doable now and then. I think they would do better in those kind of shootout games than people think. But you don't want to have to resort to that. You would love to see some improvement there. And unfortunately, I don't feel like they made the necessary moves this offseason to do that. Well, I think a lot of it is depending on and hinging on the return of Stefan to it. Absolutely. If he can come back and he's A, healthy physically, A, B, healthy mentally, then you don't need to lean on a DeMarvin Leal, a third-round draft pick. You can ease him into it, along with Isaiah Loudermilk from last year. And all of a sudden, if Tua comes back, that defensive front does have some depth, and that's actually exciting. But if he doesn't, well, that it, who knows? But I think that, you know, you, you've got some pieces of the puzzle together. This defense could be really good. Are they going to be 2019 good? You mentioned that Rudolph and Hodges year where the defense was just undeniably great. Uh, you know, they kept that team in so many games. I think back to San Francisco, Minka Fitzpatrick's first game. I think they set the, set up the offense in the red zone on more than one occasion in the first quarter, and the Steelers just did nothing but kick field goals because their offense was absolutely putrid. But I, I, I'm not sure it's going to be that good, but I hope it's better to the point that it can just keep the Steelers in games, and we'll see what that offense looks like. I'm sure you checked out the schedule release this week, and this is going to be a last topic uh, for you. Uh, anything stand out with you about the schedule that you're like, wow, I'm surprised this happened, I'm surprised they're doing this? Was anything stand out to you when you saw the schedule? 
Oh man, the the Christmas Eve Raiders oh, game with the immaculate brutal. reception. Uh, brutal. It's brutal. It is brutal. But as a Steelers fan and as a moment, I think that's going to be a beautiful time to be a Steelers fan. With the, the I saw they were honoring the was it the fiftieth anniversary yep. of the immaculate reception. So. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's going to be special. That's going to be a goosebumpy kind of moment for Steelers fans. I think that's really cool that they're doing that. I love seeing, you know, those moments in time. You know, I was at Ben's last home game last year in person. And when you get to experience things like that as a fan, it's just, it reminds you why you love the team. What's so special about this team, the way the fans turn up for things like that, that it makes it really special. And you'll even hear, you know, the coaches and everything. I'm sure we'll see tons of, pre-game interviews and post-game interviews referring to that 50th anniversary, what that means to them. You're going to hear some really authentic and candid, genuine responses from these guys and how much that means. Like, I know it's like a cliche at this point, but the Steelers way, the tradition of that team is still so strong. And when you get moments like that to really showcase it, it's special. So that, that left out to me right away. And then obviously the fact that they're not leaving the Eastern time zone is just insane. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome for me. How, though. <laughs> dude, how does that even happen? Like that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So the Vegas line right now and at, at SB nation, we are sponsored by the DraftKings Sportsbook. They have the over under for the Steelers at seven and a half wins, seven and a half wins in a 17 game mm. season. You taking the over, are you taking the under? Oh, 100% I'm taking the over on that, man. It's not that I think they're a Super Bowl contending team. It's not, you know, nothing like that. But they're better than seven and a half. They're not, I do think they're going to hit 500 or better. I would, if there's a lie, if there's a money line on that with DraftKings, I'm taking that for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, yeah, I'm hitting the over hard with seven and a half. I, I feel like that is, if I'm Mike Tomlin, I am using that as say, look at what they think of us that we can barely scrape out eight wins in a 17-game season. Give me a break with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's go rip some heads off. I mean, that's if I'm Mike Tomlin, but still. Hunter, I want to thank you for your time. Why don't you tell our listeners, I always give everyone a chance, how they can find you on social media and what you're doing right now. Oh, thanks, man. I definitely appreciate that. I am at Hunter A. Homestek. It's H-O-M-I-S-T-E-K. On Instagram and Twitter, you can easily find me there and chat with me there. I'm always happy to talk to people. I also have a website, homestech.com, and I am currently the general manager of a Pittsburgh-based MMA promotion called 247 Fighting Championships. So we are 247fighting.com. That is uh, currently occupying most of my professional space and my passion and everything. We are really trying to grow the MMA scene in Pittsburgh and Western PA in general. So if you're an MMA fan, if you like fighting, you guys got to check us out. I used to cover UFC, Bellator. My roots were actually in MMA as well as a journalist for about 10 years in the space at the highest level. So now I'm on the promotion side and, and man, it is just awesome. We're really trying to build something special. If you guys get a chance to come out to an event or catch a pay-per-view, I absolutely guarantee you'll love the action there. That's awesome, man. Thank you for spending the time talking some black and gold. I appreciate you as always. Love to have you back on again, but take it easy, my friend. Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate that, dude. All right, take it easy. And a big thank you to Hunter for taking the time out of his busy schedule to talk about the Steelers. The guy loves the black and gold for sure. You can tell that. Um, make sure you check him out on social media and all those different avenues that he spoke about. Look, it's been a great show. I want to remind all my followers, my ride or die crew, that make sure you look out for that tweet on Tuesday for the mailbag segment. You can follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. 
Maybe we'll bring up that topic I mentioned in the first half and have that be the quarterback competition and what that means and what it should look like if I'm Mike Tomlin. That might be the topic, so make sure you check out the show on Wednesday. In the meantime, you know how we finished out here, folks. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great day. Have a great start to your week. I'll see you on Wednesday. Go Steelers. Turn it on.